Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast based out of Chico, California. I am surprised at saying movie, I guess, and that's how I say it from now on. Movie. (laughs) Oh, that that came out of nowhere, that movie. What a wild trip. I'm Johnny Summers. What's happening? Here we are again. Uh, Before we get 177. Yeah. Before we get too far into the fun stuff, the the homework, the, the bill paying. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Untapped at Fresh Hop Cinema, Facebook at Fresh Hop Cinema Pod, Letterboxd. We are at Max Minardi and at Johnny Summers. You can email us at fhccast at gmail.com. Our website is freshhopcinema.com for all kinds of fun stuff. And you can support us for as little of, as a dollar a week on patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. If you don't want to know what Patreon is, you're living under a rock and you don't know anyone. But just in case, uh, it's a artist funding platform so if we people like us generate content episodes weekly you pay a little bit weekly you get bonus stuff and special perks and all kinds of fun stuff so check it out patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema that was a mouthful for the love of god can i have some beer yeah i want to tease real quick we just finished our bonus content for this week and it was one of those times where we went into our bonus content with a a very concrete idea of what we wanted to talk about and this week it was how uh, each of us views slash reviews movies differently. It was a pretty good discussion, lasted like 30 minutes. Um, I think it was a relatively insightful talk, no? It was a healthy debate. Yeah. Um, we both still think that we're right to some extent, though we also see where the other person's coming from, and I think that makes for a really healthy dynamic. Yeah. Try it sometime. You, you might yeah. learn something. Um, okay. So, Johnny Summers, you – well, actually, I think we should say also we missed last week. That was a crazy week, um, definitely for me, maybe for you or no. Hey, bro, we had stuff to do. You get episodes when you get episodes, all right? We haven't. I don't think – yeah. That's yeah. just the way this beer-shaped cookie crumbles, man. Well, we almost – I don't think we almost ever miss weeks. I think we've maybe maybe missed one this calendar year and – yeah, no, but for sure, let's talk about it. Maybe highlight it a little bit more. So it. it well, just I'm just was... saying we don't miss them very often. You know, <laughs> no, we didn't. We took a week off. Max had a, um, a surprising amount of stuff to do, and uh, yeah, my work's been busy, and it was, you know, as much as we love doing this, sometimes it does not fit into our lives. Uh, believe it or not. Yeah, all that so. to say, these are two beers that you had picked out for last week's show, but we pushed them to this week, um, which actually sidelined another beer that I was going to have us do. Um, and I'm going to make, well, I'll just tell you now about a year ago, we had set aside a victory, uh, brew, a victory brew called, um, sour monkey. Oh, and I love said, that beer. We're going to keep this one for a whole year and see how it ages. Oh, sick ass. That was actually last April, believe it or not. I don't know how it's been 14 months, but it has. So I was going to have us get on the show cause we were planning on being in studio together today, but we are not. So next time we are, we will review that beer. I just wanted to mention that. So we have it on record as saying we haven't forgotten in case anyone's keeping track. Cool. Well, I'm only going to buy one beer for next week then. And if you cool. don't have that sour monkey, I'm throwing you under the bus deal. But in the interest of sour beers, uh, why don't you tell me what we're drinking? Yeah, I love this brewery. It is Almanac. We haven't done anything from them in a long time. They're in Livermore, California. Very local, very Bay Area. Uh, I dig these guys a lot, and this is their Peach Sour Nova. It's an American wild ale. It clocks in at 5.8%. Beer Advocate has a rating of 89 out of 100, which is pretty dope. So You're biasing me. Yeah. (laughs) I am biasing you. I just realized that. That's a thing that we do, too. Yep. Shoot. 
Exactly. Oh, well. It's everywhere if you look for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not a kettle sour, which is pretty dope. Uh, Peach Sour Nova is the second release in their Super Sour Nova series. I want to say Supernova. Yeah. Uh, this naturally conditioned mixed culture sour ale was aged for months with 12,000 pounds of sustainably grown California peaches and nectarines from Blossom Bluff Orchard. Max, where is Blossom Buff or Bluff Orchard? Find oh, out. That's... Let me know. Get sure. back to okay. me. I thought you were just going to uh, ask me. I was like, I don't no. know. <laughs> this bright, tart, and super fruity space juice is out of this world tasty. And I got to tell you, the first thing that grabbed me was this bright orange, brilliant can. Uh, also, this appealed to me because we haven't done Almanac in a very long time. Uh, so I was very excited to get into this. And also, beers like this have been really hitting the spot lately. It's getting up into the 90s in Chico regularly. Um, so I wanted to give this beer a try because, one, I love peaches. Peaches and nectarines are two of my favorite stone fruits, I think, followed by plums. And then are cherries a stone fruit or are they a berry? If you I had to guess. Like, I think it's a stone fruit. Right? It's got a little stone in it. So Berries, berries have to have the seeds on the outside. Oh, that's the difference, the right? Is Berries yeah. have seeds and stone fruit has stones because it's yes, called sir. stone fruit, you dumbass. I didn't want to throw that out there, but yeah, yeah. I'll throw it out there. It's fine. So yeah, I think it's nectarines, peaches, cherries, plums, somewhere in that order. They're all really great when they're ripe and delicious. And obviously this beer having two of them. And being from Almanac has been just proven. I wanted to give it a try. So that's what we're drinking for beer number one. Max, have you poured it? Have you smelled it? Where's Blossom Bluff? I have so many questions. Blossom Bluff Orchards is about 24 miles uh, just southeast of Fresno. Okay. So not quite super next to the brewery, but they're in the Bay Area. And I don't know of a whole lot of orchards in the Bay Area. Do you? Um... Well, I mean, there's it's like wine country is right outside the Bay Area. So, I mean, yeah, obviously yeah, have a, little, yeah, a lot of agriculture, right. but grapes aren't stone fruit. Grapes are no fruit, man. Are they? Who even knows? They're just, you know, little, little, I call them the gummy bear, the gushers of nature. Yeah, That's dude. That's I call a grape. You ever mess with those cotton candy grapes? No. Oh, it's <laughs> a thing. They actually taste like cotton candy. They're like little frozen. Oh, yeah, I freeze them. And you eat them like little popsicle balls. They're, dude, look up uh, cotton candy grapes. They're, they'll change your life. How have you never had cotton candy grapes? I don't know, but I'm just on the Google machine today. Yeah. Uh, okay. Pull that up, Jamie. Is this going to be, is that, that's a reference to uh, some other podcast? Yeah, Joe Rogan. Oh, gotcha. That's Jamie, I get it. Yeah, Jamie's his producer, and he's like the Googler, and he controls the monitors. So like, if they gotcha. ask for a picture, he pulls it up, throws it on the monitor. Well, I can confirm these look basically just like regular green grapes. They are not. They're so sweet. They taste like cotton candy. It'll According make your head explode. To Wikipedia, cotton candy grapes are a variety of sweet table grapes whose flavor, yep, has been compared to cotton candy. The grapes were developed by horticulturist David Kane and his team in Bakersfield, so just a stone's throw from Stone Fruits Throw from Fresno. Oh. Very cool. Um, to answer your other questions, though, dude, I have poured this beer. I am looking at it. It looks like a, uh, it almost looks like a Hefeweizen. It's Got a, little, got, got a little bit of hazy going on. It's got some nice bubbly. It's got some good lace around the head. It's a nice sort of, I keep saying nice, um, a sort of orange, almost straw color. I was noticing on the front of the can, it says uh, a sour ale aged in oak barrels with peaches and vanilla beans. Now, I know that you and I just had a very long conversation about expectations not affecting you, but I guess I am hypocritical because I now I want vanilla in this beer and I don't really get it. <laughs> so... You know, what do you think of it? I think this beer is absolutely fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. 
a magnificent balance between sour, fruity, uh, juicy, and drinkable. It's not too bubbly. It's just the right amount of carbonation. This is like infinitely drinkable. And for me, I'm not the biggest fan of like really abrasive, acidic sours. And this yeah. one strikes that for me a perfect balance of, of that fruitiness to the tartness that it's not too acidic. This is it's really good. I'm a big fan. What do yeah, you get? Fi- yeah, five point eight percent. Like you said, that is very. That's in the in the alcohol level of drinkability for sure. It's also super approachable on the mouth. I love it. You're super right with the balance of kind of sweetness and tartness. I think peaches were for sure the right move in here. Mm-hmm. If they'd gone with something a little bit more tart, like a nectarine, I think this would skew to the the too tart side for me. Well, young Maxwell, there are nectarines in this. Are you sure? Did you say that really? Mm-hmm. Really, I feel like. Yeah, I guess it does say nectarines, but I don't. I don't know, man. It really feels like a peach forward beer to me. It does, but it has that that the tart, tangy, like bright citrusy pop of a. Maybe a that ripe is what nectarine. that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when's the last time you had a fresh nectarine? Last week, actually. Oh wow! First time in a year or two, but I did have one last week. But also, sometimes it, nectarines can be hella sweet. Yeah, like it was a, a white nectarine. It was pretty oh. ripe. Yeah. yeah, no, the ones with like the like the purpley yellow skin, those ones are like tangy. You sure you're not thinking of like a pluot? No, yeah, it's like there's a couple different varietals of nectarines you can get. I'm a nectarine guy, man. Like well, nectarines, man. Are, nectarines are usually like really dark. Like white nectarines are like the the sweet yeah. cousin of yeah. the traditional nectarine. Yeah, why can't I picture? Oh yeah, with like the orange yeah. flesh. Well, j- hey, just hey, flesh. Max, just pull that up. Pull up a picture of a nectarine. <laughs> I draw the line somewhere, man. I'm not touching it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to airdrop so, you a picture of a nectarine right just now. pops up on the monitor. Yeah. What do you what are you drinking yours out of? What did you pour it into today, by the way? Uh, I'm rocking like a 12-ounce uh, goblet. Like oh, my gosh. Sh- I'm in like a 16-ounce goblet, like a full-on open rim one? Yeah. Nice, dude. Why did you pick that cup? You never use that cup. Uh, I like it, and it would be good for smelling, and I wanted to smell this beer. Yeah, I figure it's pretty rarely that we have a sour ale and a porter or a stout, but those styles work so well in, in a goblet-fashioned glass that I was like, oh, let's try this today. Mm-hmm. I like Very it. happy with it. Me too. Yeah. This beer's fantastic. I cannot recommend enough picking this up and drinking it, especially we got a heat wave coming, dude. Oh, it looks bad. It's going to be like triple digits for a long time, and I don't know how many times, but a long time and many of them. So yeah. I will be at the river just crying. In the in the water, so I, I might be drinking one of these. This is this is real good. Where'd you get it? Oh God, Spike's Bottle Shop. Ha! Yeah. I, I remembered. Yeah, I got this at Spike's Bottle Shop. It's readily available. I got this, and then I also got from the same series a honey lavender sour that I'm super excited. Oh to try. wow, that sounds great. Yeah, uh, if we're recording in person, maybe we'll do that for bonus content. Yeah, that sounds that could be fun. Really good if it lasts that long. Yeah. Um, I wanted to run back to their description here, and they point out in in all caps, this is not a kettle sour. I think it's really neat because a brewery like Altamont that cranks out beers so regularly for them to to sit on an actual long time fermentation like this is is shows a lot of dedication, and I appreciate that about because they crank out so many beers, and I know that you're a big fan of them all the time, but there have been some that haven't been great for me, and. I don't know. I'm I'm a little hit or miss. So I'm I'm actually super pleased with this one. I would also get it again, especially with the 109 degree thing we got coming on Saturday. Totally. Are you thinking really of? Are you thinking of Almanac or uh, Altamont? I knew it. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. It is Altamont. Yeah. Which actually then makes me think that maybe Almanac is not in Livermore. 
We need to do it. Let me. I'll. Don't mind. I'll do it. Hey, it. Max, pull that up. It's an Alameda. I was gonna say. Yep. Maybe I'll pull it together by the second segment. Maybe it's fine. Yeah, I was thinking of of Altamont for sure. Yeah, that's why you put Livermore. Yep. Because yep. I you even said it when you said Livermore. Like there was a slight pause, and I was like, "Did I mess it up? Does he know something I don't?" And I think you did. I didn't because I couldn't remember for sure where uh, Almanac was. Mm-hmm. Like I know they're around there somewhere. So Livermore seemed plausible. Yeah, I just feel like it was a subconscious pause. Like I don't even yeah. think you knew that it you knew that it was wrong, but it you did know somewhere sure. somewhere in, in the annals of my annals. I knew. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so so one more time, what, will you tell it where the where the hell is Al- Almanac? Yeah, I'll tell you right now. So just to clarify, Altamont is the one that is in Livermore. Yes. Makes sense because it's the Altamont Pass. Almanac is in Alameda. And we so, are drinking Almanac beer at this moment right now. In Chico. And yes, we are. And Alameda is the little island <laughs> right there by Oakland. Is it? Who? I don't even know. Yeah, Alameda so Island. Dumb. Yeah, it's it's an island right next to Oakland in the East Bay. Oh, I guess it isn't. Yeah, I never thought of it as an island, but it super is. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's a dope little island. There's a great little downtown. It's good times, man. It's nice. So You, yeah. ever, you ever been to Extreme Pizza, Alameda? No. I All would right. have extreme diarrhea. <laughs> it's true. How about the uh, the old little mom and pop shop? Um, where'd it go? Alameda Pediatric Dentistry. I have not since I've been an adult. I think I went there as a child, though. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. I could okay. have, though. My parents grew up, or didn't grow up. My parents lived in Sac, uh, San Francisco before they moved to Chico. Is that right? So there's an outside chance. There's a snowball's chance in hell that if they had sure. maybe stayed there, I could have gone to that pediatric family dentist. That'd be wild and un- uninteresting to basically anybody else, but I think that's really interesting. Right? It's good times. It's real good times. So now that we know where this beer is actually made, and uh, we're yep. professionals that do our homework, so... Yep. Uh, what do you want to rate this beer? Because I think we're there. I think we both really like it. I'm curious yeah. to, as to what you rate it. Flat eight. That seems low. What are you going to give it? That seems low. You gave that one with the sloth on it like a 10. That beer was fantastic. This beer better taste than the vanilla, that. my dude. This beer was a vanilla than that all day. No way. No Oh, not you're changing your rating based on your expectations? No, no, what? I am not. Because of that vanilla. In. No, listen, I, even t- I haven't even talked about this vanilla enough. I realized that it doesn't matter. There is not enough vanilla in this. And I, I didn't want to open this can of worms, but it does kind of affect the way that we've rated beers in the past. So I just, I don't know. Should I care that there's not vanilla? It says there's vanilla on the can, everybody. Hey. Should I care? Write us in. Should I care that there's no vanilla in this beer? I want to Expe- know. Everybody vote. Expectations are important, bud. Shit. I think they are too. Uh, this beer is a uh, 9.2. It's fucking 9. phenomenal. 2. I love this All beer right. quite a bit. Clearly, um, yeah. Yeah, it's very rare that I can find a sour that I enjoy this much just because it is so well balanced, so it stands out way above the crowd. Uh, but demerits not making it a perfect 10 because I expected some vanilla. All right. Yeah, all right. Point taken, man. That's. I think you might be right. If I could go back and edit our bonus content that has not been released <laughs> at the time that you're hearing this, I, I might. You know, but also I think there's something to be said for like, um, what's an example of one? Um, 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 well, like yeah, some movies do it on purpose, but my expectations weren't met, but damn it. It's still a 9.2. Sure. Holy crap. Like, so wait, yeah. is it just that they didn't that, like, is it, are you mad that they lied to you or are you mad that there's no vanilla? 
I think uh, a bit more of a vanilla presence and like just a tiny skosh, like a sprinkle of sweetness from that vanilla would mm. have really added uh, like a sixth gear and if really affected the top speed mm-hmm. like it was mm-hmm. a car. You know, it would have really I just know, I got it. pushed it to the next level. So for me, yeah, it's still like unbelievable. I would definitely travel for this beer. I would definitely pay a lot for this beer. The fact that it's available right down the street is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, really only demerits I can give it are just, it just, they shouldn't have put vanilla on the can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a pretty bold move to put this in a 16 ounce can. That's so, so baller. But I think you're right. Yeah. If it was more on the tart side or more of that kind of lymph node punchy, it, it would not work. Yeah. I could drink a 16 ounce of this all day. I dare say you might today. Uh, I did not. I split it in half with my lovely wife. She was actually oh, eating. That's. Very she kind. was e- eating sushi right when I grabbed this beer, and I'm like, you know, what would go great with with some sushi is like a, a trash peach, can. a peach sour. You yeah, shut yeah. your mouth, <laughs> can't stand it. Though I do, I appreciate kind of like the the wasabi flavors and the ginger. I can picture this going well with that kind of brightness and and tanginess. You should just eat deep fried sushi. Do you like? Nah, do you like nah. fish sticks? No, okay. I don't like that. I don't like seaweed. That's disgusting. Use lettuce, weirdos. You don't have to use seaweed. Please don't call a whole race weirdos. I'm calling an entire, not more than the race, people that like sushi, which is all sorts of races now. Mm. You're just, you're, you're pushing it here, bud. Not in today's climate, bud. <laughs> I don't care. Easy. It's, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Damn sushi loving. <laughs> <laughs> so Peach Sour Nova from Almanac Brewing out of Alameda, California. It's a 9.2 for Johnny. It's an eight for me. Johnny, what did this 16 ounce pint can from Spike's Bottle Shop cost you in the bank? It's like five, six bucks. Which one? I don't remember. I bought this like a week and a half ago. I don't, yeah, okay. Well, five or six. I mean, there's a big difference there, I think, but like, I don't that's think actually, so. that's, that's the difference poor? of me buying it. There's that's not the that much of me difference. buying it or not. It's not that big of a difference. It was $5.49. Are you serious? No. I'm just guessing. Yeah. I'm just splitting the difference to see what you say. You should have said 50, and that would have really broken my brain. Because at least now I could be like, no, okay, it was five, I could buy it. But if it was five fifty one, no, thank you, sir. <laughs> it's just a little too pricey. If it's six bucks, it's too expensive. I think, Bruh, Do you need some money? Are you are you okay? You doing okay? I play music for a living, and I apparently still make time to podcast with you. So no, I at least mentally, definitely not okay. <laughs> Financially, probably not. I'm gonna like give you twenty dollars and a hug, bro. That'd like, be great. Just give me a, four of these. Like this six dollar beer is gonna break me, man. <laughs> I just there's I got better ways to spend six bucks in the beer world, you know. But not five. Well, I'd risk it for five. Yeah, <laughs> but you've already had it. You got not. A, you got to draw, draw the line somewhere. Don't you've you? already had it. It's not a risk anymore. What would you pay? Would you pay seven for this? Yeah, hundred percent. This Eight. is the, I'd pay ten bucks for this can. Eleven, uh, probably because a lot. No, I mean, you when, when you think wild. contextually, not kettle sours in a twelve ounce bottle. Think about a beer like Sanctification or Supplication. How much are those good. tiny little bottles? They're like it's eighteen, I think. Exactly. Or more? They might be more. So you think I won't pay? 12 bucks for a 16 ounce can of a beer that's on that level you bumped your head absolutely this i'd pay i wouldn't go over 12 because i know how much it cost already but like absolutely this this they could charge a lot more for this beer and it would be worthy of the purchase price just to be clear are you saying that this is as good or better than actual supplication from russian river 
I'm saying it's on the same level of quality as far as a sour beer goes. I think it is absolutely world class. All right. I mean, that's fair. That makes sense. That's consistent with your rating and your uh, enthusiasm. So fair enough. So, yeah, I do not think that it's worth six bucks. It's the moral of this story. Yeah, I guess so, man. But you also, will you just say what your PayPal and your, your Venmo is right now on air so we can help you out, man? Like, Absolutely. If anybody wants to Venmo me, just let me know what beer you want me to get. It's at Max Minardi or you can PayPal Fresh Hop Cinema and it'll go to the same cause. That's right. We need to help this man. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> For the love of God, get him some better beer. You want to move on? Yeah, let's get on, man. Also, I have a beer for you next time I see you. Did I give you a good green? A what? A good green. I gave you a good green. What is good green? I gave you one. Have you drank it yet? Can you give me more context of what it might have been? I gave you eight beers the last time I saw you. It was one-eighth of them. <laughs> what well, more, so remember, remember what more information do you need? Which one was it? You gave me eight. I didn't it's look at It's the one that says good green in giant green letters on the You're label. You're not giving the whole story, man. You, you gave me the eight beers, and you said, drink all of these. And I thought, okay. And I drank most of them. And I don't remember which one was which, man. They were good. I said but it was, it was the ahead. one that I, I handed to you, and I said, I ordered a case of these. Drink mm-hmm. it, but you have to take a picture. Then I haven't drank it yet. Maybe <laughs> you totally drank it. Look, we were talking, and I was clearly confused. And the last thing you said was just drink them. And I said, if, Okay, that's if, what I'll do. In my opinion, you were not clearly confused. I did not take advantage of you like some no, prom you, night <laughs> intoxicated date. All right, you cut me off, and you said, All right, just drink them because I didn't. You gave me all these different instructions. You're like, This guy gave us these ones, and then. And then this one's for the show, but take a picture of it before you drink it. These other seven that all look the same, kind of, just, and I was like, which, okay. I was like trying to unclip them and put them in their own clips. And you were like, all right, just, just drink them. And I said, okay. <laughs> and then I did. And I watched Shirley for the first time. And then I had to watch it again. So was it a strong beer? Cause if so, I for sure drank it. Uh, it was seven, two. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I guess right. is the answer to that. Why? I was just curious. Well, don't be, I guess. <laughs> we were just talking about like expensive beer, and it made me think of the case of beer I had shipped to my house, and I wanted to know what you thought of that. Because uh, if I have any yeah. left by next week, we might just do it on the show. Sounds good. I need love to look to... and see when the last time we did Highland Park is. Oh, that was recently. Was it? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Dude. I'm still making our beer catalog, going back and cat- or categorizing all of our beers. So maybe it was like in the first year we recorded. I don't know. My timeline's <laughs> all off. All right, we got to move on to flick picks. This is getting out of hand. Have you watched any movies lately, man? Let's rein this yeah, back Yeah, dude. I've, I've watched a bunch, but one that came out this year that I want to touch on, which is called Miss Americana. Have you heard of this movie? Uh, no. Okay, well, allow me to, uh, to uh, what's the word? Um, you know, help you realize the truth here. I will show you the light. Let, allow me to en- enlighten you. That's Educate. it. Educate. Um, sure. Yeah, sure. Do it. So Miss Americana is a documentary film that came out in 2020. It runs an hour and a half, just about. And it is the story of Taylor Swift, essentially. Of course it is. Now, I'm blood red mad at you already. Before you start getting mad about this, you should know that this is about Taylor Swift's kind of life and and dealing with judgment from people, basically just for being Taylor Swift. It's been described as raw and emotionally a revealing look into her life during a transformational period as she learns to embrace her role, not only as a songwriter and performer, but as a woman harnessing the full power of her voice, both socially and politically. Will Ferrell's in this? What did I say that made you think that? I'm looking at the IMDb. Oh, he does. I mean, 
he might pop in. He's not like in it, in it. He plays her dad in this. I thought it was a documentary. <laughs> he does not do that. Okay. Um, but what I like for me, my wife loves Taylor Swift. She always has that like, kind of grew up with her. And as an aspiring songwriter or not an aspiring, she writes songs. Gianna does. Um, so it was this really awesome role model to kind of be able to grow with and, and emulate as an artist. And for me, that was kind of like the end of Taylor Swift. I was like, I don't really like her music, but I get it. She seems cool or whatever. Dude, she makes awesome music. Yeah. Like it's not, it's, it's pretty cut and dry pop music that is very, um, empowering. And as pop music goes pretty good. Yep. I like a lot of pop music, but some I think is garbage, whatever. This movie explores kind of her bouts with depression and her image and what being an artist in the modern day looks like in terms of people online being good or bad to you. It deals with like all the Kanye West stuff that went down and it sort of pivots on or not pivots, but kind of centralizes on this big conflict she had within herself about speaking out about this issue politically in Tennessee during a, I think a gubernatorial race. And I just have a lot of respect for her after this. It was really eye-opening, and I, I think it's a well-made documentary, for one, which you can't always say about documentaries that make you feel good, but I think it made me feel good, and it was well-made. Nice. And it's on Netflix, so if you have that service, it's free, and I think for an hour and a half, you should check it out. That's very cool. I'm going to have to check that out, because I do like that, uh, the idea of, like, the peek behind the curtain, and I know she's yeah. had kind of an up-and-down ride with this, like, you know, media, and especially after, like, all that Kanye West stuff happened, where he took mm-hmm. the mic from her, and blah, blah, wild. blah, like, yeah. she's had a very interesting, like, up-and-down journey. Uh, I would be interested in checking this out. I think it's also very important to uh, normalize celebrities, and also mm. acknowledge their norm- normalcy. Like, they're yeah. still just humans that get depressed. Totally. I've I've had some interesting experiences like listening to podcasts and interviews with like NBA players that like have a really hard time dealing with social media and the negativity and like how it affects them. And it like day in day out affects them. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty intense, man. Again, that's Miss Americana on Netflix. Check it out. If you like, here's a trailer for it. Just going to go have fun. No one out there that I know of in the audience actively hates me. Not get dead face. Ready to do this? Ready. Totally ready. Throughout my whole career, label executives would just say, a nice girl doesn't force their opinions on people. A nice girl smiles and waves and says thank you. I became the person everyone wanted me to be. I, I think that Taylor Swift, she is annoying. All of her model friends. Too bad. Going through guys like a trick. She's too skinny. Nobody physically saw me for a year. And that was what I thought they wanted. I had to deconstruct an entire belief system, toss it out, and reject it. American glory faded before me. It woke me up from constantly feeling like I was fighting for people's respect. I saw the scoreboard and ran for my life. It was happiness without anyone else's input. do this. I need to be on the right side of history. Taylor Swift broke her silence on politics no, over the week. Her voice in a whole new way. Oh. It feels fucking awesome. I feel really good about not feeling muzzled anymore. And it was my own doing. 
There's nothing that feels better than this moment. What are you doing? I'm turning on my party shoes for vocals. Good. We've never really gotten a good take without them, have we? No. All right, Johnny, what have you been watching? What is your flick pick this week? Yeah, so on a a bit more serious and less lighthearted note, uh, we watched the documentary 13th. Uh, as you may know, the world is uh, in a, a situation of uprising, and there's a lot more going on than there ever has been to fight for racial equality and um, all of the things that go along with that issue. Uh, and we, we'd kind of spoken off air about how there's a lot of kind of lists floating around about like how as white Americans we can educate ourselves and films we should watch that would aid in the doing so. And at the top of several lists that I had seen was this documentary called 13th. Uh, and so I figured, you know what, I, I want to do my part to educate myself and I'm a movie guy. So, hey, two birds, one stone. Let's do yeah. this. Uh, so 13th is a 2016 documentary, runs an hour and 40 minutes long. It's available to stream on Netflix. Uh, and from IMDb, I'll read you a very brief description. Uh, it is an in-depth look at the prison system in the United States and how it reveals the nation's history of racial inequality. Uh, and it's very, very, very relevant and very timely uh, and also incredibly eye-opening as far as learning about the history of this country and uh, how it was never that great, to put it bluntly. Sure. Um, is anybody saying that it is or should, used to be? Who's saying it used I, to be great? I don't know. I've, I've heard it going around. I've seen some hats. I'm not sure what that's about. <laughs> okay. I don't really buy into it, though, because uh, there's a lot of interesting things that I learned. This was springboarded by – the desire to watch this was springboarded in part by those lists I was mentioning, but also by listening mm. to a podcast from NPR uh, about the history of policing in America. Ugh. And yeah. uh, it was a fascinating and eye-opening uh, podcast and just facts about the United States, that the country that I live in, that I am proud to be a part of, that I never knew existed. Uh, and in itself, the 13th is a reference to the 13th Amendment, which was the amendment to end slavery. Uh, and yeah. it opens with this very interesting fact that I learned on this podcast from NPR that is – Wait, can I just jump in real quick? Is it yeah. is it – because I think you told me that you heard it as a as a tangential podcast that was featured on Up First, right? Yes. I believe that the official podcast, if you want to look it up, is NPR's Throughline, and the episode you want to look for is American Police. Yes. Okay. It was one of the most fascinating podcasts I've ever read or listened to. I didn't read it. Sure. I read it in my brain that makes sense um but yeah so this whole thing was springboarded by the fact that the 13th amendment that freed the slaves had this massive asterisk in it that slavery was essentially abolished unless you were a criminal so if you were convicted of a crime any crime you could then immediately be re-enslaved and it was about this time that, like, the first police department was formed, basically to round up people and re-enslave them. And that is a fact that I wasn't quite ready for. And I, there was a lot of facts in this documentary that I wasn't ready for. There was a lot that I was familiar with, but there was so much that I was unfamiliar with. So if you're a human person and you want to learn about more than you already know, just watch this. I don't think I need to go into it with much of an agenda. Uh, it kind of speaks for itself. Um, yeah, I'm not going to try and sway anyone one way or another, but 
Uh, I think if you care even a little bit about other people and the history of this country, you should watch this documentary. Do you want to know something crazy? Is that the actual, it's not even like an asterisk in the 13th Amendment. The actual wording of the 13th Amendment of the Constitution says, quote, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, comma, except as a punishment for the crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, comma, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. It's almost like looking at it here, it it could have been everything outside of the commas. It could have read neither slavery nor involuntary servitude uh, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. But yep. there's like this little clause in the middle of the sentence that got added. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a trip, man. Cause I never, I mean, I've learned about the constitution many years in school, at least for a couple weeks for probably four or five years throughout my schooling career. Yeah. And nobody ever talked about that little clause. No, I don't know why. No. And it was, you know, post civil war, you had black men being rounded up for loitering and then enslaved for the rest of their lives. That doesn't sound that different than, uh, than now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so you should watch this documentary personally. I, I recommend this to you a great deal. Yeah, I'll definitely put it on the list. So it's, it's 13th. It's on Netflix. I wanted to point out it's made by Ava DuVernay, who two years before this made Selma, uh, which is another great movie that I think is on Netflix as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. And then she went on to do A Wrinkle in Time, which we've covered here. Not great, but 13th and Selma, definitely worth watching in this kind of in this vein. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll, I'll check it out for sure, man. Yeah, but maybe not the most lighthearted watch, it sounds like. No, it's a very, very serious watch. But yeah, uh, it's one that's worth watching. Okay, 100%. then I shall. Then I shall. Uh, how do you feel about running to a break? Let us take a break. We will be back with more stuff. With stuff that we will not spoil. We didn't say this. We're going to talk about Shirley, a new movie. And we're not going to spoil it to the end of the show. So if you haven't seen it yet, that's okay. We'll be right back. So if you're looking for a fantastic place to take a date or the family or the dog, they got you covered right down there at the Handlebar Chico right here at 2070 East 20th Street next to Tong Fung Lo, right by Best Buy and Winco. Very conveniently located. They've got a killer happy hour seven days a week from two to six. You're going to get money off craft beer. You're going to get money off of cocktails and you're going to get half off bottles of wine, which is an absolute silly goose time. They've also got great food, an amazing patio for the doggos in your life, or the cat if you have one on a leash. Go check it out. Handlebar Chico, they support us. Go support them. To our suffering, my dear. There's not enough scotch in the world for that. (laughs) Shirley, what are you writing now? A little novella. I'm calling none of your goddamn business. We were invited to stay here for a few days until we could find a place. Shirley has these bouts. She's gone sick in the head. I read your story. What are you doing in here? It made me feel thrillingly horrible. Do you know what it's like to have a secret? What are you up to? That girl. What do you think? Trite and a bit trashy, but uh, give it a go. I like you, Rosie. Can I trust you? I feel like we're in the Scottish play. On the verge of madness. What will happen? See their secret looks? Freud would have had a field day. 
I'm counting down from three. Three, two, one. becomes of your dear heroine what happens to all lost girls they go mad and what you just heard was a trailer for shirley the brief synopsis from imdb slash max is thus rose and fred are a newlywed couple who moved to vermont so fred can pursue a university job apprenticing under literary critic and professor stanley hyman Stanley's wife, up-and-coming horror writer Shirley Jackson, has just had her first big break with her short story, The Lottery, having been published in The New Yorker. After its, its success, however, Shirley has entered into the throes of a deep depression, unable to write or even leave her bed, and Stanley asks that the young couple to help take care of things around the house, including Shirley, in exchange for room and board until the two can find a place of their own. After initially resisting the arrangement altogether, Shirley's relationship with Rose slowly warms and she begins to work on a new novel about a missing girl from campus. That is right. This is a film directed by Josephine Decker, who back in 2018 did a film called Madeline's Madeline. Uh, You haven't seen that, Johnny, have you? No, but it was all about Madeline, I heard. Yeah, I heard that as well. This uh, Shirley is based on the same or based on a novel of the same name by a gal named Susan Scarf Merrill that came out in 2014. And it was adapted for the screen by a gal named Sarah Gubbins. This movie stars Elizabeth Moss as the titular Shirley, Michael Stuhlbarg as her husband and Professor Stanley Hyman. Odessa Young makes her uh, film feature debut as Rose Nemzer and Logan Lerman plays friend Nemzer. Wow, that was a fun set of names to say. Uh, there's, there's at least two names in that list that need to be changed immediately. Know, at least in that order. First of um, all, Logan Lerman. I'm pretty sure that's his name, man. Yeah. I How really, right. dare you? <laughs> if you don't, if that name sounds familiar, you can't place it. He's the kid from the like the Percy Jackson movies. Mm. He's also in um, uh, the Amazon show Hunters. Okay, which I checked out because he told me to. Like half the letters in the alphabet would suit the, his first name better than L. Yeah. Well, like like Bogan. Berman. Do- Dogan. Oh, his Dur- last name. Logan sure. Derman. Logan <laughs> Berman. Name. Logan yeah. Sermon. Sure. All those. Logan uh, Furman. Shirley premiered at Sundance back in January of this year, and it was released to streaming on June 5th. If you have Hulu, it's included for free. That's how I watched it. Um, there's a big bunch of people that signed on for this, including but not limited to Martin Scorsese as an executive producer. It runs an hour and 47 minutes. It's rated R for sexual content, some disturbing images, and language. And it holds an average critic rating, not to bias you, Johnny, of 7.55 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. So um, let's talk expectations, though. uh, Again, at this point, I don't know if they matter or not, but I do want to know what you thought you were getting into and then what you found you actually had gotten into. Yeah. So what I what I thought I was getting into is more of a traditional like horror type suspense movie. You know, you got kids like younger people moving into a house uh, kind of taking care of the older writer lady. I was expecting a bit more, uh, definitely more suspense and more, uh, more. I wouldn't say horror, but definitely more like suspense thriller type movie than what I got. And what I got, you wanted some creep factor, a little bit of a creep factor. Uh, and what I got was more of, I don't know what I would call it, like a, uh, like a drama. Almost more. I think I would that's say, fair. Yeah. yeah, definitely more of like a drama vibe and like a 
you know, there's some love stories happening. There's interpersonal. It's it's definitely yeah. It, it categoristically falls into the the drama section, and, and I wasn't fully expecting that. And it definitely, I personally thought it would have been better if it had a bit more of those elements. But yeah, that's what I was expecting, and that's what I got. So, what were you expecting? What'd you get? All the same questions, but turned around and turned against you. So I I think that I saw maybe one trailer for this going in, probably the same one that you did when I first suggested this movie. I did not uh, watch every- one trailer. Oh, sweet. Okay. So I I was looking at a list of movies that were kind of new to streaming. That's sort of been our, our MO in terms of picking movies lately is trying to find the newest thing that's maybe become available. And there were a few, but this one caught my eye because it did kind of seem right up the lane of stuff that you do typically enjoy and stuff that I like. It seemed like like an artsy kind of horror movie um, with, with potential. And I agree with you. It definitely didn't turn out to be what I would call a straightforward horror movie, but I will give you drama for sure. And for me, I did get some creep factor though. It it was never a jump scary movie, more of kind of like a steeping in an environment kind of creepiness that was definitely helped by the set design. And Elizabeth Moss, I think was fantastic in this, which leads me to my next question. What, what did you like and, and dislike about this movie? So what did I like and what did I dislike? I liked Elizabeth Moss. Uh, I think she did a lot with what she was given to work with. Um, I really have a deeper appreciation for her as an actress after absorbing the whole show Mad Men. She was mm-hmm. a main character in that, and I really, really appreciated her in that. And it has made me grow to appreciate her in other things. So I did like her in this. Uh, it bugged me a little bit that, like, I couldn't figure out what age they were trying to make her. It was very kind of ambiguous and not very, they didn't commit. It just looked like Elizabeth Moss in a little bit of makeup and a wig, but like not fully. So have you seen a photo of Shirley Jackson? Uh, No. All right, here we go. Google that because I will say while you're Googling that, I also had that issue with not quite being able to determine how old she was, but I think that's because of how much they committed to making her look like Shirley Jackson. Um, Hmm. For reference, since this movie starts around the time that her short story, The Lottery, was published, she Uh, was in her early 30s. Okay. So that that makes sense then. She's like probably somewhat around Elizabeth Moss' age. Yeah. Okay. So that was one thing that distracted me. But overall, um, I thought she was the strongest performance. Her husband pulled it off very well and being this super smarmy, better than thou uh, professor of what? Uh, what was it? Oh my God. Help me out. It was like mythology or something yeah, ridiculous. He, he, I got the vibe cause I know they did say it once, but it seemed like he was like a, like a, like a, an arts critic where he would talk, like review and critique music and, and literature and sort of the no, his art. His class was legitimately like mythology or something. It was, Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. Huh? I don't remember. Yeah. He was just this uh, intellectual. He was a professional intellectual and <laughs> in the most pretentious sense, he of was the, the worst. Word. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very creepy, rapey vibes from him, too. But I really enjoyed the acting portrayal. Uh, Michael Stuhlbarg, we had so mentioned good. in the past. Why do we recognize this face, but not this attitude? It's because he was the dad and mm-hmm. call me by your name and yeah. polar opposite characters. So, I mean, if anything, this movie showed you that that guy has a lot of range big time. Yeah. Also, good work by. Uh, Shirley Jackson to not take her husband's last name, you know, for pen name purposes. Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. Kudos to her. Just had to throw that out there. But uh, so what I got with this movie, like I said, was a bit more drama, a bit more uh, the the whole plot 
had a little bit of ambiguity to it, but it was written to be that way. But it never really reached point A to point B in a way. It, it, it left a lot open for interpretation, which you could see as a negative or positive. But hmm. um, it definitely left a lot open like what's going on? What is this character supposed to be? Is this this? Is this that? Uh, a lot of it's spoiler, and I don't want to, to get into it too much. So I'm going to leave it at that, really. We'll get more into it. Uh, there's definitely some things I want to get into as far as like the characters and what they could possibly represent. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, overall, I got uh, a bit long of a drama that I found, uh, quite frankly, boring in several spots. I, I found myself rather bored and hoping it would end sooner rather than later. Um so, yeah, I, I wasn't super into it. I liked a couple of the performances, but honestly, since we started talking about it, like today, I really hadn't even thought about this movie since. So, oh, interesting. Uh, it didn't leave much of an impact on me. Uh, I'm interested to see what you thought of it. I know we disagree pretty heartily, and I look forward to getting into that in the danger zone. But what were some of your expectations, and what did you find that you got? And um, just give me give me your overall. I want to know what's up with you. I mean, I'm right there with you. I think I think Elizabeth Elizabeth Moss in this is great. I mean, you talked about her in Mad Men, which I haven't had a chance to see yet, but I've heard she's great. She's obviously got a lot of notoriety for The Handmaid's Tale, which she's apparently amazing in. Um, she's great in her smell. I really liked her in The Invisible Man, or as you call it, The Invisible Guy. Um, I, I think I think she does a really good job in almost every scenario. She was also had a kind of small part in Us, where she got to be kind of more of like an aloof, bougie sort of. Um, carefree housewife kind of thing, and she was killer in that. So in I mean, us, I came, refresh me. Yeah. What was what was us? Uh, Jordan Peele, uh, the scissors, hands across America, clones, underground. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. What yeah. she was in that? That's it was right. her and um. Oh, oh she Tim, was the, Tim Heidecker. She was the the wife of the couple that yeah. they were friends with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She was so wow. Good. That was a great yeah. cameo. Yeah. So and because I was gonna say up until this point, I'd only seen her in like pretty serious dramatic stuff where she gets to sort of stretch some of those more almost like gross, aggressive muscles, but she got to do that, which was super lighthearted. I mean, kind of, if you've seen the movie, you understand (laughs) the context, but so I think she's got a huge amount of range and I think, um, her and this is great. I want to talk about the actual author, Shirley Jackson for a minute here. If you don't know her, chances are, unless you're a huge horror nerd, a literature horror nerd, you probably don't, but she was born in 1916 and she came into prominence in 1948, like in this movie with the publication of her short story, the lottery by chance, Johnny, have you read it? I have not. Okay. I read it today. It's like a 15 minute read. It's available, which I think is kind of cool on the New Yorker, website and it's dated the actual date that it was released. It's, it was this really contentious short story. Um, the New Yorker received a ton of hate mail because of it had unsubscribed or people unsubscribed. What is it when you're, it's not an email. It's like actual people were like, no, don't send this to my house anymore to cancel their subscriptions. Yeah. Um, and then she received a lot of hate mail. Basically, um, if you want to not be spoiled for the lottery, skip forward a minute, but Johnny, do you care to be spoiled? Actually? No, give me it. Okay, so the gist of this story is that in some small rural town in America, from basically as long as people can remember, once a year they all get together and draw um, names out of the hat. And if your paper's blank, you do not win the lottery. But if you do have a black mark on the lottery ticket, you win. And it comes to find out that everybody in the everybody in every family, kids, adults, whatever, they all get to pick. So you got a pretty good chance of winning um, as odds in the lottery go. But 
Uh, it turns out that by the end, if you do win, you get stoned to death by everybody in the village, including the children and everybody. And the idea is that hopefully you'll have a good harvest. Makes no sense. It's a hugely uh, commentary-focused story on like uh, our cultural habits and why we do things, if we even have reasons to do them. It's a really disturbing story because the the woman that ends up getting stoned like gets killed by the whole town, including her children. And it's really kind of messed up. And you could understand why uh, this would be disturbing to people in the fifties, you know? Yeah. Um, it also lends another layer to the scene in the beginning of this movie when um, the couple uh, Rose and Fred are on the train and she finishes reading that short story and gets like super horny. And then they go have sex. It's like, that should have been maybe a red flag right there. And it was the second time that I watched this movie. I was like, oh, that's a weird reaction, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, and there's several uh, several nods to kind of her literature throughout the movie that I didn't know until I learned about her. Um, anyways, since you probably haven't heard of The Lottery, what you have heard of, I'm guessing, is the Netflix show that came out in 2018 called The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. That is another Shirley Jackson work. It was her fifth novel. Uh, she put it out. Oh, I think, I think in the fifties, mid fifties. Um, and it's been cited by none other than Stephen King as one of the most important horror novels of the 20th century. No big deal. Jackson's work. Yeah. Um, she's been said to have inspired people like Stephen King, obviously, uh, your dude that did American gods, um, uh, Neil Neil Gaiman. Gaiman. Yeah. Tons of really prolific horror writers that are high held in super high esteem in American culture. Um, she later on ended up dying of a heart condition from cigarettes and general health deterioration at 48 in like 1960 something. Uh, and then a little bit more in 2007, they made a little award called the Shirley Jackson award. It was established recognizing outstanding achievement in literature of psychological suspense, horror, and dark fantasy, which I think is super cool. All of this knowledge might lend you to think that this movie is like a full on biopic. Um, and it's not like the historical inaccuracies in this movie are pretty widespread and there's some ethical diciness that goes on. Um, so I found that to be kind of troubling, but if you can set that aside, I think that the performances in this movie are really good. I was sufficiently creeped out by most of this movie. I think it has a lot to say about like domesticity and the quote unquote role of the woman in the home and like men imposing themselves in art and the role of like the artist versus the audience slash critic. Um, I think it's really interesting that uh, Michael Stuhlbarg's character kind of gets his meaning from kind of ripping apart her work in a kind of sadistic way. I think there's a lot to talk about. I'm with you in the danger zone, maybe being the most safe place to talk about this. But I enjoyed this movie. I think that certainly Elizabeth Moss will be in my top 10 performances of the year. And I might go so far as to say that this will be a contender for my top 10 movies of the year. What? Yeah. Again, I've watched it twice, which is a little bit more than I get from most times that we cover movies on the show. So I've gotten to absorb a lot more stuff, but I, I'm going to say tentatively that, that I really like this movie. Wow. That's where I'm um, at. I'm a little blown away. Okay. Yeah, I know. You, you're okay. Write that down like on your hand or somewhere permanent. Oh, I Man, got it. That's insane. Okay. I mean, it's not insane, but it's, it's uh, wow. Top 10 already calling it can, halfway we, through the year. Look, we have to, we have to take it into context. Like, yeah, there hasn't been that many movies out this year that we've seen. So just bear that in mind. But also I think it's pretty good. I think it's very good. All right. Um, but let's rate it and then we can, we can talk more later. I think you should go first. 
All right. All right. All right, man. I really wasn't that big of a fan. Definitely wasn't mm. the worst movie I've ever seen, but yeah, it wasn't super into it. It's like a mm. like a six three for me. Yeah, yeah, it seems fair. Um there's I mean, there's a bunch more stuff I liked about this too. I'm I'm gonna I'm trying to prep for why I'm gonna call this a nine, which I am. Um, I, I just loved being able to sit in the environment. I think the production design was great. The soundtrack is awesome. The cinematography is wonderful. And I don't have all the people's names in front of me, but I liked almost everything about this movie with mm. a couple exceptions that we'll talk about later. Fair enough. So that is Shirley. If you have Hulu, you can check it out for free. You can rent it probably on any of the rentable things. But in the meantime, I think we, we pause on that and maybe open up a second beer that you also picked out. What do you think? Yeah. That, that is a highly polarizing movie. <laughs> My God. Yeah. This is not our maybe most polarizing. You actually rated it a lot higher than I thought you were going to go. Well, that's because I'm an educated cinema watcher. Oh, indeed. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Push up my glasses on the bridge of my nose. Yes, Dude, oh, God. I love in just a, one line that Michael Stuhlbarg says <laughs> when he's sitting at the table and he goes, um, oh, what does he say? Something like. Um, Nothing infuriates me as yeah, much yeah. as like, like mediocrity. mediocrity and like the freaking sneer and just, just vitriol he has when he says mediocrity. Yeah. And he goes, it was perfectly, uh, not adequate, but like perfectly or terrifically like mundane. Sufficient. Sufficient. It was like, oh, you're yeah. a, you're a jerk. But I also like, I kind of get that sometimes. Right. Yeah. He said like, if it was awful, at least it would have been exciting or interesting. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Like, so, oh, God. that's what I've, ugh. It's yeah. highly quotable. Yeah, like, that's like, true. What There's, a line. Yeah. yeah, what a line. Beer? Beer. Okay, Dude, what are we drinking? It's time for the main event of the evening. Is it? Sure. Sure. Yeah, take the ratings off this off of our notes. I haven't rated this beer. Oh, yeah. Sorry, man. How dare you? Uh, so <laughs> we are, one, That's my one weekly mistake. I got... That's the one. So we are doing Ossuary from a brewery called Ghost Town Brewing out of Oakland, California. Uh, if you've heard the bonus content, you will know. Wait, bonus content comes out after this, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you haven't heard the bonus content. I'm telling you now. Uh, mm-hmm. Ghost Town is quickly becoming one of my favorite breweries. They are real close to where I pick up, you know, modern times, obviously in Oakland. Uh, also, I love their aesthetic. I love their their labels, their art. It, it appeals to me stylistically uh, and also like my personal style. It really fits right in line with. Um, and I'm being informed by a voice, a tiny voice in my ear that I said the name wrong. Uh, it's not ossuary. It's actually supposed to be pronounced ossuary. Osh- you should spell it for somebody because nobody knows this word. So ossuary Osh- is spelled O-S-S-U-A-R-Y. And it's pronounced ossuary. 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 All right. So ossuary is a porter. It's clocking in at 6.66%. And it is, let's read a note from Ryan from Ghost Town Brewing. Expect a full-bodied porter that has flavors of marshmallow from German Munich malt and deep chocolate flavors from high-quality European chocolate malt. The big body is balanced with a heavy dose of East Kent Goldings, EKG, at Whirlpool. The high IBUs help balance the body. The fruit aromas and flavor from the EKG hop complement the bitter chocolate and help round it out. As far as inspiration goes, here is what our head brewer said. Quote, I was stoned and the malt bill sounded yummy. End quote. That's the kind of brewery I can get behind right there. Fair. I'm into it. 
Yeah, this was an exclusive behind the scenes because Johnny reached out and asked about the things that you just listed, like what, where'd the beer come from, what inspired it, and, and all that jazz. I wanted to mention because in the feedback we got from Ryan, he mentioned a couple times and made a point to specify, he said, East Kent Golding Hops, um, which are often thought of as the ultimate English hop, quote unquote. Um, it's grown only in Kent, England. And um, if, you've, if you're like a hop nerd out there, it's like, hey, is that close to the Canterbury Golding? They're the same one. It's a common misconception. People think they're different. They are not. So a little hop fact for you. Canterbury Golding and East Kent Golding, same hop. Uh, and it is uh, what Johnny was saying. It's in this beer. It gives it a very unique flavor. Um, you get things like lavender, spice, honey, thyme, earthly flavors, that kind of stuff. Um, Johnny, have you tried this beer yet? Mm-hmm. Lay it on me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Man, I mean, it is just the strike zone of a porter. It is, it's a little nutty. You're getting a bunch of chocolate. It's like dark chocolatey, little hazelnutty, velvety. Uh, it's super drinkable. It's got the body you expect out of a porter. It's not tremendously thick, uh, but it is super quaffable. It's very drinkable. Uh, surprisingly so. I love the, um, you know, you hear chocolate malt all the time, but like the yeah. fact that like chocolate malt is a grain that you can put in beer that makes it taste like chocolate is so cool. Uh, that's one thing that I learned when I was working at Feather Falls. They use chocolate malt in uh, their volcano mudslide, and that's oh, what sure. gives it. It's like just strong chocolate presence. I'm like, that's rad. Like, what a cool malt to be able to play with. Uh, so I'm digging this beer quite a bit, man. It is, um, it is very much so as advertised. It is. It's well rounded. It's got a nice, like, um, nutty bitterness. Where like, if you know the dryness that you get from like eating like a walnut, it's got almost a, mm -hmm. you get like a tangible dryness that you feel. This beer kind of finishes like that, where you have that, your mouth just kind of dries out a little bit, but it leaves you with a nice subtle bitterness that I feel is, is pretty good, man. It's pretty approachable. Uh, mm. I'm, I'm into this beer quite a bit. What are you picking up? I think that you are correct in saying that it is exactly as advertised. I, the, 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 maybe the acidity or the, the bitterness or the, um, that yeah, like that biting quality is not so good for me. I feel like my, my Porter sort of scale is this constant battle between like chocolate versus charcoal. If that makes sense. Like, like on one hand you have this sweet sort of roasty, sometimes bitterness. And on the other hand, you can have this almost burnt sort of, uh, yeah, like charcoaly kind of acridity to it. And it's like, I, I think if you balance those, right, you got a really, really solid porter. And then if you add like vanilla or caramel or hazelnut into the mix, it, it can, can elevate both of those or either one. Um, but for me, this one's tipping a little bit more towards the acidic and bitter and drowning out some of those chocolate notes that I kind of want more of. Yeah. It is a robust porter and they do, they, do, true. they yeah. do tout the high IBUs. Yep, so I that's feel like that's something just stylistically that they've they've made with this beer that just doesn't necessarily agree with you. Yeah, I think you're super right. Again, yeah, it, it's as advertised. It's probably made super well. I think Ryan mentioning the EKG a couple times is not unintentional. I think it's supposed to be a bitter porter, but for, for yeah, for me those those flavors just don't always work for my palate. So Fair enough. I, I think it's pretty good. I've only sipped it once, by the way. Um, can we talk a little bit about what an uh, ossuary is? Yeah, you did some some fun research. You hit me with that knowledge, son. I did. Yeah, I have I have this habit of when I see a word that I'm not familiar with, I will take the time to look it up, which makes reading books of a high caliber difficult for me because I get distracted by looking up these words. But ossuary had this 
really interesting, familiar bell that got rung in my head. And the short version of what this is, is basically back in the day in Europe, many, many centuries ago, uh, there were so many dead people that cemeteries got full. So what people decided to start doing was burying their dead uh, in a different part of the land in kind of a temporary grave. And then once the bodies had decomposed, they would dig them back up, exhume them, if you will, which is the opposite of inhum, which is another beer that these guys make, uh, clean off all their bones and shove them in little boxes and put them sometimes just in the box and sometimes those boxes into a bigger room or sometimes forget the box, put the bones in the room. You get things like catacombs or like the bone church in Prague. They're these big, intensely skeletal-looking structures um, that sometimes nowadays you can go tour, uh, and those are basically ossuaries in a nutshell. Nice. It's a great description. There's some Thank amazing you. ones uh, in Prague and then also in like the yep. Czech Republic uh, that I'm actually yep. somewhat familiar with. Have uh, you, you've never seen one, have you? No, not in person, just in my dreams. Sure. Okay. Um, there's perhaps the most famous ossuary is called James's ossuary. Um, and I'm, I'm had this list pulled up here. I'm just going to try to make sure I say this right. But basically the James ossuary is a limestone box from the first century. And it was discovered with uh, an inscription that translated to James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus. Uh, understandably this made a lot of waves in the archeological community and the, I mean, all sorts of communities, really the religious community. Mm-hmm. Um, the the actual the actual engraving was disputed, but everybody agrees this is like one of the oldest actual ossuaries in existence. Hmm. Um, and this one dude was was charged with forgery, but those those claims were kind of let go. But there's still kind of like this shroud of is that real? Is it, again, the box is real, but the inscription maybe not. But hmm. these these things go back. I mean, twenty centuries at yeah. least. Definitely. And I can pretty nuts. I can tell for sure from the can label that like the major inspiration was the crazy ossuaries made of bones, like the big, like in the Czech Republic and and in Prague. Yeah. Yeah, What's really interesting with the tradition of these is that you would, you would almost think that because of sort of the gruesome nature of like dead people's remains, like they would all kind of be neatly put away or in drawers or something. But they're on full, almost artistic displays in a lot of these ossuaries. It's really wild to see. Yeah, they're like, fuck that. We're making a chandelier. Yeah, or, or like the writing on the walls will be in human bones. Like, it's a really creepy thing to see, and I'm sure even more so to go visit, but it is it is wild. Would my house be considered an ossuary because I have a skull? Not even close, my friend. Damn it. Actually, you need, I think, I think technically you need more than... No, I think you can have one. I think it's one or more. But um, one last little tidbit of information. Ossuary. Osh is the Latin word for bone. So that is where that comes from. It's an above ground chamber or in the ground that contains the bones of people that have died. That's just a definition. That was kind of a lame way to end my facts. But here we are. You know, I expect nothing less. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll allow it. So does this beer taste like dead people to you, I guess, is my question. Well, from the experience that I've had, uh, no. There's usually a bit more of a tinny quality to a corpse. Sure, sure. A bit more metallic on the nose and in the face. Uh, No, I think this is better than your average dead body. And if that's not a good endorsement for this brewery, I don't know what the fuck is. Like they (laughs) should put that on a sticker. Write that on the case, man. Better than your average dead body. Yeah, yeah. No, this is You want to mention the can real quick? I know you you said that it was inspired by that, but... I mean, this is very clearly a Johnny style can. Yeah, yeah. If someone had to guess, if I had bought this beer or Max did, there would be no <laughs> no guessing needed. Zero debate. 
It looks like an actual photo from an ossuary. Yeah, it does. It's like a printed out photo of an ossuary. How many skulls do you think are on this can? Uh, a few hundred. I'm going to say a thousand. That's too much. I'm going to say 700. Count it. I'll wait. <laughs> All right. Here we go, everybody. Stay tuned. Uh, beep. Okay. Yep. It's 761. Get out. You didn't count. You just no, said beep. Oh, you oh. can tell. I th- thought it sounded pretty good like a machine. <laughs> yeah. No, okay. that's just the rest of your speaking voice that sounds like a machine. Oh, gotcha. Yes. So, so young Maxwell it. the robot, what oh, do man. you think of this beer? Uh, how does this fall in your rating scale? Tell me what you'd like, what you dislike, what you'd like to see different, and uh, what you rate it and why. Yep, it's it's a well-made beer. It's good. It's not necessarily my speed. I When I go for a porter, I want something a little bit sweeter and a little bit less on that kind of charcoaly bitter side. And that's just a personal thing. I, I think it's a bold move to add as many hops as they have if that's what's giving it the bitterness. Um, so ultimately kind of, you know, warmer than cold on this. I'm going to probably land in like the uh, – I'm going to land in the seven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a seven for the fun discussion that it's caused instead of a six. Yeah, I'm, I'm right in that ballpark with you. I'm going to give it like a seven four. Oh, really? Yeah, I think this is a great everyday porter. I think if it's around and you're looking for a porter, this nails it. Uh, I personally like it because I've had so many porters that are just simply too sweet. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I like tasting the malts and that that malt profile of just that roastiness uh, and almost burnt flavors. I, I dig that, and I think, quite frankly, it's pretty metal if your, your beer <laughs> tastes like something that was on fire. I mean, that's that's true. Yeah, can't go wrong there. Hey, what, when, when somebody says porter, what's the first beer that jumps to your mind? Do you have a specific one that you think of? Uh, I really like Anchor Steam's porter, uh, but oh. also um, that and the first beer that jumps to mind is Six Rivers Macadamia Nut Porter. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because that beer is just a, a decadent candy bar confection of a beer. It's phenomenal. You distributed that one, though, too, right? Yeah, I sold that for a while. Also, I was fairly good acquaintances with the owner of that brewery. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But, yeah, I yeah. think, I think when, whenever I hear Porter, I think of that shallow grave from Heretic. I think it was the first Porter I ever really tried. Okay. It's fine. I, I don't remember it being great or horrible. I just remember it being like, yeah, that's a Porter. Man, why are Porters so metal? Shallow they, Grave was the first I know. one you tried. They, they seriously all are. And I think, it, let me just see if I can pull up the label. But yeah, it, it definitely is. Porter, yeah, it's got a, like a demon or a wolf on it or something. Porters be metal AF, bro. Yeah, it's probably the most metal beer category. No, I guess I don't know. No way. And what are you going to say? Imperial stout? Uh, probably stouts. Yeah. I say fruit beer because they don't have to front. There's like, here's a beer, drink it or don't. We don't care. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Like Pilsners are pretty metal. Yeah. Just here's a beer. Drink it. Cause they're so metal. They're not afraid to be soft. Yeah. Stouts are like, here's some caramel and vanilla and, and cocoa bean extract and Santa's poop. You better so, you drink know, that me. gets, what? That, don't you like beer? That gets away from being metal. Like the fruity, like pastry stouts, pastry stouts aren't that metal. That's pastry what I'm saying. Pilsners are metal. Pastry stouts are like the five finger death punch of the stout world. Is that Kill Bill? What? Is that? Oh, that's a band, huh? Yeah. What's the thing in Kill Bill? The one inch punch. Okay. Those are basically the same thing if you haven't seen Kill Bill. Dude. No. I have. I actually just watched. I haven't seen both of them since being an adult. And I watched the first one last week. It could have been a flick pick. I love that being an adult is still like a marker of things for you. Well, yeah, dude. I mean, 
there's stuff you haven't done since you were a kid. When's the last time you were on a slip and slide? I feel like you've been on a slip and slide. Yeah. Don't fuck yeah, with me on that shoot. one, bro. I've <laughs> slipped and I've slided. Yeah. When's the last time you rode a bus? Uh, not that long ago. I rode a bus <sighs> to San Francisco for a baseball game. Blacked out. that story. Yeah. Blacked out. The bus rode you. It felt like the bus, the bus ran over me. I don't, yeah. I don't know. What the? F- <laughs> oh, God. Um, but yeah, that's funny. Just that, like, I haven't watched that as an adult. And I'm like, huh. I don't know. That just, it struck me as funny. I love that, though. You're still young. Oh, Embrace we, it. Embrace your youth, kid. I was literally just thinking that we're in the danger zone because I feel like we've been on so many tangents right now. And I was going to be upset that I didn't talk about The Ring, which is another thing I hadn't watched as an adult. But I'll talk about that when we get to Hot Mothered. Well, I think we're oh, pretty I'm much just there. I'm sorry. I'm just seeing yours, and I got so excited. So, Ossuary from Ghost Town Brewing. It's a seven four for Johnny. It's a seven for me. Johnny, where can people get this, and how much will it cost them? Uh, I actually picked this up at uh, Curtis Park Market in Sacramento. I'm down there for work like once a week, and I'm working like less than a mile from that store. Gotcha. So I try and get down there and support Keenan. He's a great dude. The owner. If you run into him, tell him what's up. Uh, also they have a great deli in there. Like you can go mm. grab some amazing craft beer with crazy distro and like a really good sandwich. It's kind of the best place ever. So the answer is that if people want this, they need to send us an email maybe and be like, Hey, Johnny Max, if you're down there, I'd really love to buy some of these beers and yeah, you get I, I, I could mule it back. That'd be fine, man. No problem. That could work. That yeah. Could work. But it, also if you're in SAC, it's not that far and everything's kind of opening back up and it's a great spot. So, and they get distro from all over and they also get like, Really fresh, uh, like uh, what's that? Urban roots, like urban roots cans. Oh, nice. Like, like I went in there and I grabbed a couple and drank them when I got back, and they were literally canned within a day or two. So, yeah, some pretty solid distro. But this beer from Ghost Town was, I want to say, about fifteen bucks for a four pack, somewhere in that range. Man, I thought you were gonna say for a single. No, God, no. And I would be like, okay, can we both agree that would be too much? Yeah. 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 Okay. That that's that's a really reasonable price. Yeah. So moving right along. Moving right along. Okay, we're jumping into hot and bothered. If you've never heard the show before, that's the part of the show where we talk about our best parts and our worst parts of our week, aka what's got us hot, what's got us bothered. Johnny, kick it off with your first thing. I've got a few things. Uh none of them will take long. Uh I have been playing through Borderlands two with Friend of the show and Patreon member Brian McAllister. What's up, dog? I see you. Hey, Brian. Uh, I actually hung out with him at the lake this weekend, which is part two of my hot and bothered. We went kayaking and sunbathing and swimming. Kayaking. Kayaking. Uh, I'm I'm smooching it up. Sure. Uh, But we were having a discussion, uh, and also, like, it rolled up on GameStop. They had, like, a daily deal where they're like, hey, Claptrap says buy this, and I click on the email, and it's like Borderlands Three is on sale for fourteen ninety nine for PS4. Oh my lord! And I said I'm gonna buy that right now. I paid sixty dollars for that game. Yeah. So right. we both bought it, me and Young McAllister. So we're gonna finish Borderlands Two possibly tonight oh after we gosh. record, and we're what? gonna dive deep into Borderlands Three, which I've never oh, played. We have to talk. Okay, can I come over? I gotta like stand outside your window or something. Oh, it's so exciting. You know how long I've been asking you to do this? Yeah. No, yeah. Like, like six months. Exactly. So I, I I delved in because I had access to Borderlands 2 for free. We talked about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, It was downloaded somewhere on my PlayStation. And now I got the I got a two terabyte hard drive. Did I tell you that? No. That's I bought awesome, an external hard it. I bought an external hard drive so I can load well, yeah, because you can only fit like 
the way that games are now, the size they are, them motherfuckers be like 70 gigs. So it's just like, dude, bro, calm down. So I got a two terabyte hard drive during uh, quarantine. So I wouldn't have to keep worrying about deleting and adding games. Yeah. Um, So I can just throw Borderlands 3 on there. Boom, boom. Uh, So as soon as we finish two, we're going to dive into three. Um, Maybe I'll have you over and you can can hang out and we'll figure it out. Yes. Where are you at in the Borderlands 2 campaign? I don't remember. It's actually been a few weeks since we played. So oh, that, geez. but okay, but right. the getting the good deal on Borderlands Three has reignited the desire to start knocking out Borderlands Two, so we can get through it, so we can start this one together. I love it. Yeah, me and McAllister both have never played it. Yeah. So we're gonna be yeah. like just diving in with fresh eyes, straight off of finishing Borderlands Two. Super so excited to see. I have so many tips and tricks and stuff. I gotta tell you. Yeah, I'm super excited to okay. see how that goes. Yep. So, uh, other than that, the lake was awesome. Had a great time at the lake this weekend. Went, like I said, kayaking and swimming and drinking beers and oh, such a good time. Yeah. Um, let's see what's next. Oh, uh, yeah, Dave Chappelle. If you haven't heard in in what's got me hot, if you haven't heard, Dave Chappelle dropped a. I'm not gonna call it a special. As much as I'm going to call it like a YouTube video slash a like rant statement rant yeah, uh, called eight minutes, 46 seconds. Uh, it's a 27 minute and 20 second long <laughs> video. Okay. Oh, uh, I bet you that gets dark. I bet you the name of that gets really heavy. Go ahead. What's that? Why is it called eight minutes and 47, 46 well, seconds? Well, that's because that's how long George Floyd had a cop. I knew it. Knee I on his knew neck. it. Okay. Yeah, so it was a very powerful commentary from Dave Chappelle. Uh, a lot of people in the media and whatnot have been asking why he hasn't spoken up, uh, mm. and a lot of interesting stuff. So it's a really a um, very Dave Chappelle statement. If you're familiar for, with his work and his style, this fits right into who you know he is. But also, mm. there's some amazing knowledge and facts dropped by him not only about the current state of affairs and everything going on, but about his own family uh, and his own history that he did not know uh, some time ago when he made some statements about uh, certain things. I'm not going to spoil it. And then sure. some knowledge has come to light about the history of his his own family uh, and how all of the shit that's happening isn't that long ago um uh, i will say this one thing is that when his father passed away he called out for his grandma uh and his grandma was born a slave like that's how long ago this thing yeah was. right like right so, someone you knows father their grandma could have been born a slave and it was just it was such a fascinating and um real way where you're like holy shit this isn't something Wait. that was hundreds of years ago, like just two gener like three generations removed from Dave Chappelle was, was slavery. She, was she a slave slave or was she a criminal? <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Stop it. Tec- I mean it's a yeah. Sounds funny. Technically that's a real question, apparently, that we have to ask. Was she yeah, a slave be- during slavery or a slave after slavery? She was a slave during God. slavery, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah that's so the crazy. whole thing's just Fucking icky, dude. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, but I, I love Dave Chappelle, and I've I've admired his work for a long time. And I think the the bit, the piece that he put out called 8 Minutes and 46 Seconds is very important. And a lot of important people that I look up to have said that when they write a book about this time, 
um, they should bring this up. It's that important. So, oh, wow. Yeah. It's a very, very powerful piece of, of speaking that yeah, he yeah. did. So I would highly advise anyone to watch it. I really like the idea that you've uh, paced out your list this way because so far things have been getting more and more important. But I see what you're about to say next. Oh, I was going to skip that. Oh, you are? <laughs> oh, we can talk about it, though. I know. I, th- I think I think just from a momentum perspective, that's probably the right move. But I kind of want to know. <laughs> so the it last... seems like a bothered. <laughs> no, it it's hot, be... dude. It's so hot. Okay, so it's better than Borderlands 3, better than The Lake, better than Dave Chappelle. What is it? It's absolutely not better than Dave Chappelle. <laughs> How dare you? Okay, I'm just left to right, man. This was reading. <laughs> yeah, no, I should have. I added the last one just as like a little, dude, that's got oh, okay. me pretty hot. Okay, uh, because it. I actually used this service on my way home before we recorded the podcast because work is getting crazy and I'm I'm not free until like four thirty or five o'clock anymore. But uh, yeah, if you have a smartphone and you download the Target app, you can shop for all the stuff that's in the store. They have a live inventory, and you can just order it and buy it at the normal price like you would in the store, and they will. You can click um, drive up. And they will just bring it out to your car and put it in the trunk, and you can mm. just drive away. That's wild. And it's the most amazing thing I've ever used. Like, I bought cat litter and paper mm-hmm. plates and, like, liquid IV, and that's it. And they just yeah, brought every, it out. Every, everybody's like, this, like, everything's so annoying having to go out. People complaining a lot, but, like, some of these things that have been happening because of this shelter in place, like... The ability to talk to people on Zoom and people downloading that app so now everybody has it or like driving up to a place and your stuff's already paid for. These seem like good ideas that maybe we could keep going when everything exactly. gets back to normal. Yeah, I think they're things that could keep going. And uh, yeah, I I guess actually I used it before the, the pandemic mm-hmm. and the shelter in place. So like the Target drive up was a thing before, but mm-hmm. like it became so much more functional and utilitarian during the, the pandemic when you could just – have someone deliver your groceries or your your stuff to your car and then just yep. boom gun. And it does the thing for me is it doesn't cost any extra. So like Isn't I needed to go to yeah. the store and get cat litter when I can just push two buttons on my phone, park at a place for like a minute and then just yep. leave. Yep. Uh, yeah, the yeah, like the ability to purchase things online is I think a slippery slope. Uh for example, since last Tuesday, 7 days ago, let me tell you some things I've ordered on Amazon. Ready? Okay. Allergy pills, two pairs of sunglasses, a deep tissue percussion massager. Those are dope. Uh, they're great. Um, three bottles of uh, Mrs. Meyer's cleaning spray. That stuff's great detergent, too. A new, uh, new uh, what do you call this? Just, I guess, a baseball hat. It's not a baseball team, but like a Carhartt hat. And I bought a uh, silicone, hang on, ice mold that makes your ice cubes shaped like diamonds. Because, you know. Because that's where it was online. I was like, that seems like a good purchase at the time. And it wasn't. <laughs> that's the only one that's outlandish is the diamond. Everything else to me made total sense. I started a return, but I don't think I'm going to return it. Because every now and again, that's a pretty baller move. I want to see you drinking that, uh, like a White Claw out of a martini glass with a yeah. diamond-shaped ice cube. Like, I've honestly, man, I've done it with whiskey a couple times. And... I, again, haven't seen Mad Men, but I feel like that guy, John Hamm's character. Yeah. Don't know why, but it just, there's something to be said for how a diamond-shaped ice cube ups your class. Yeah, it's pretty baller. Like, I feel like it's pretty baller. Yeah, that's pretty baller. That's what I'm saying. 
Um, right. If I it. may, all that kind of segues into my hot and bothered this week, which if, if you didn't know, I think Amazon ordering um, at that level is a bit of a red flag. So I have written in my hot and bothered list this week, lifestyle choices. Yeah, I was really curious about that. Sure. Let me lay it on you. Basically, the short version is that I have decided that over the past couple years, I have basically been coasting through life. And I think in no small part due to my alcohol consumption, one of the side effects of alcohol, aside from having a great time, is for me a lack of motivation and general sort of haze over my brain for extended periods of time. Okay. So I have decided in addition to limiting my alcohol consumption during the week to at most two beverages, which is a big step already. Um, I am going to intentionally leave my phone not in my pocket, not be on it unless I'm doing something like sending in a text message or an email. I am not going to be on the television or a video game system for more than two hours a day. If that time expires, I'll read a book or I'll exercise or something like that. Um, Whoa. Things of this nature, I, I'm, I'm waking up every day at 7 o'clock during the week like I have a normal job. It's been about four days. Uh, and I'm going to my computer and I'm sitting for two hours and working on computer stuff. And I'm taking a quick break, coming back and doing podcast stuff for two hours. Then I'll take a couple hours in the day and I'll practice music. And I'm trying to be more intentional with my time is, I guess, the idea. Okay. And as a result, I'm hoping that my life will get better than it is. And I think that's probably what will happen. Which is not to say my life is bad. I think I, I love my life. My life is great. Yeah. It but, seems, but, you know, it could be better. You know, it seems extreme, but I'm not going to fault you for it. Yeah. Believe it or not, it's it's one of my least extreme approaches. Like we've talked about when we've done like sober January. That's well and good because I have the same sort of um, effects with the lack of alcohol, but it does feel like I'm just waiting till the month is over so I can go back to whatever debauchery I was doing. Yeah. And here it's more like a, an evening out and everything in moderation kind of approach. Yeah, but it's extreme because it's it's broad reaching over your whole life, not just your drinking habits, but your morning habits, your afternoon yeah. habits, you know, and it's I just, like, I, I'm just kind of getting tired of like, maybe it's the quarantine, but like for three months now, like, I, I don't know, man, I'm kind of over staying up as late as I want and sleeping in as late as I want. Like, well, it's, it's fun for a minute. You've but been like, on summer vacation for three months. Yeah, I think there's a re I'm also, well, I'll talk to you later about this other also, but yeah, like there's a reason that that is like three months. I, people are always like, I can't wait to retire. It's like, I don't think you know what it's like to be retired. My life is basically like being retired when I have a job. And when I don't, it's like extra retired. Yeah. And it's not all it's cut out to be. I'll tell you that. Sure. You gotta, people do not great when they don't have motivation and drive to do stuff, or at least I don't, I need, I need stuff to do. Yeah, no, that's fair. So on that note, I want to talk about three movies that I've watched in the past week. <laughs> All right. Um, and I'll talk about them all briefly. Uh, one is Christopher Nolan's second film called Memento. It's with Guy Pierce, And I think to talk about the story is a bit of a spoiler. So I'll just say, if you haven't seen Memento, it's a fantastic film. If you like Nolan filmography, which includes like uh, The Prestige, um, The Dark Knight trilogy, others, uh, you'll like Memento. I think it's a very worth- worthwhile film. I also watched a movie called Captain Fantastic starring Viggo Mortensen, which is essentially this nice little marriage of leave no trace, which came out a couple years ago. And, uh, what's it called? Johnny little miss sunshine, little miss sunshine. Um, be forewarned. If you only know Viggo Mortensen, mostly from like Hidalgo and Lord of the Rings, you see his penis in this movie. And that's a bit jarring. Wasn't expecting that. Awesome. Uh, But he plays this dad, um, 
who has, I think one, two, three, four, five or six kids and their mom passes away and they kind of take a road trip to go to her funeral and see her last wishes fulfilled kind of thing. It's very endearing. It's a wonderful movie. Uh, um, how, how was it? It's good, man. I think not his penis. How was it? No, that's, oh no, that's what I want to talk about. Yeah, no, uh, but both his penis and the movie were above average, I think. Okay, good. Uh, is the right way to phrase that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking Return of the King. Like, the yes. king better, better the king, come, they come king, equipped. Yeah, king, yes. Uh, but yeah, I wrote I wrote in my Letterboxd review, uh, If Leave No Trace and Little Miss Sunshine had a baby, it might look something like this. Um, yeah, the cast is charming. He's such a weird, like, antisocial dude here. Like, they've clearly, him and his wife have decided to live their life kind of on the margins of society and only use what they need and don't really use money, but their kids are all super smart. Um, but the conflict is when like those kids are going to get older and they have to go into the real world. It's like Amish kids. It's a movie about Amish people without the religion basically. Okay. So good. It's a good movie. And it's on, I think it's on Hulu, I believe. Nice. And it's like, um, an hour, hour 45, maybe if, if that, let me see if I can find it real quick. It is, uh, where the heck, I guess I don't see the runtime, but it's, it's less than two hours. Uh, just barely, just under two hours. Okay. Pretty good movie. Nice. And Viggo Morrison's great. He's a really great actor. And I don't think he gets cast in many things these days, except in green book, but shy of that. I think he's great. I also watched the ring. It's a film that came out in 2002. I haven't seen it again since I was a kid. Um, and it scared me to death as a child. And I thought this is one of those moments of like facing your fears as an adult. You realize the thing, the monster in the closet was just a vacuum with a coat draped over it. Yeah. But in fact, the ring, I think, is still scary. It's Granted, pretty scary. It's scary for different reasons. When I was a kid and I saw it, it was scary because like the special effects and the little girl Samara jumping out of the screen scared me. And when I watched it the other day, it was more like the themes of like isolation and vengeance and loneliness really got me. Yep. And I think it's a really good horror movie. It's I like solid. it a lot. I like, I, I thought it was one of those movies. that was kind of a B horror movie, but it's a solid movie. Like I don't have a hugely extensive knowledge of horror, but it might be in my top 10 horror movies. I would like to see your top 10 of horror movies. I would too. I might make that on letterbox follow me at Max Marty. Follow Johnny at Johnny Summers. Okay. Boom. boom. Um, and very lastly, I had my date wrong a couple weeks ago. I'm playing at the Commons here in Chico this Saturday, June 20th from 6 to 8. My buddy Rob Delgado is playing drums. It's going to be a good time. If you're around, it's a free show. You can pour your own beer. So if you're worried about germs, don't be. You're the only one touching your drink. That's the Commons, uh, the 20th, Saturday, 6 to 8. Come see me play. That's and if my you're last worried, pot. And if you're worried about Germans, well, then yeah. just educate yourself as to what year it is. They're cool now. Deal. They're cool now. They're all great. Yeah. They're not, I mean, not all of them. Some of them. Some of them are probably bad. Uh, by and large, they're better than they were. That's that's true. Danger zone. Danger zone. Okay, final alert. We're going to spoil some stuff from the movie Shirley. If you want to see it without being spoiled, it's available on Hulu. Go watch it. Pause this. Come back and finish it. We definitely want you to hear this discussion because it's sure to be contentious and insightful. Yes, just like me. Johnny Summers, um, where do you want to start with spoilers for Shirley? Um, so like one of the main things I didn't like about it was the, I mean, I get the ambiguity as far as like the characters and like what they represent, what they are. Um, so there was this whole vibe that, uh, Shirley was just manipulating this young woman that lived in her house 
to do ridiculous things and like kind of just fuck with her essentially in order to just have things to write about. And that was never clearly defined, which is fine. It just leaves a little open for interpretation. Also, they had this like vague, unresolved, like romantic relationship. All right. I think I think what we have to do really quick if you're game is between the two of us get through the plot in two minutes. I don't want any part of this. All right. Do you mind if I go? You have two minutes. I'm starting a timer. All right. So the couple moves in. Um and the dude, the young kid, I'm not even going to use actor or character names. The young kid is going to try to learn to be a professor at college underneath the old guy, Michael Stuhlbarg. I will use names. Um, and since they're in such an interesting predicament, Stuhlbarg is like, hey, uh, I'm going to look up their names. Girl, can you please go and basically take care of my wife, Shirley, and kind of clean up around her house? And Rose and Fred are like, that's kind of weird, but like they're hooking us up. So sure, we can do this. Okay. It becomes clear over the course of the next hour or so that Michael Stuhlbarg's Stanley Hyman, the professor, is pretty uh, unfaithful to his wife, Shirley. It's become a pretty big issue, but they had some sort of agreement, as is referenced by that phone call during dinner, where she's like, our agreement didn't include sluts calling us during dinner, whatever. Clearly, she knows he's not monogamous, whatever. Uh, Fred is studying with him, then also starts kind of dabbling in the non-monogamy realm. And as that's happening, Shirley and Rose start becoming friends. We know that Rose is pregnant. Um, and so time passes because she gets more pregnant, eventually has a baby. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, uh, what what else? Okay, meanwhile, yeah, like Shirley's writing this novel about this missing girl, Paula, and is using, like you were saying, Johnny, Rose as kind of her inspiration because all she has to go off of is this news clipping that Paula's missing and has no way of actually figuring out who this character is. So increasingly, she's kind of juxtaposing Rose in as a stand-in for Paula. Um, that creates complications in their relationship, but it does seem to be the case that they're becoming friends. How much time do I have left? Johnny. Not it off. What happened? Come on, man. What? Do I really not? Do you not know how much time I have left? No, I do. I'm timing you. How much time do I have like left? like half a minute, man. I'm okay, waiting. Great. So um, it complicates their relationship and... Slowly but surely, Rose and Fred's relationship starts deteriorating, but Shirley and Stanley's is like maybe bad, but kind of flirty and weirdly like sadistic, but that's kind of how like she gets inspiration. By the end, um, Rose and Fred decide to move out, but not before Shirley and Rose go to this head where Paula disappeared. Time. Realize that's it's it. All Stop talking. Thing. It's over. Time. Well, Done. Someone's nope. going to want to know. Nope. All right. Let them know. Okay goes to this trailhead where Paula disappeared. Then we find out it's just Shirley standing by herself. Rose and Fred are actually on their way to their new house. Rose is like, I'm not going back to nicey wifey. You're going to, that was crazy. Here we are. That's, I think it helped almost nobody, but here we are. So what were you saying? Yeah, I feel better. Great. So yeah, you were saying romantic relationship. There's a lot of just these loose ends. Like, was this someone's imagination? Uh, For me, this movie played a lot more, um, from my perspective on like mental health and like uh, living with someone that has like massive, like manic depression and possibly Mm. some schizophrenia uh, who is also a writer. So basically just a writer. Yeah. Okay. Um, And that was interesting to me because in my take on this movie, it's a lot of surely manipulating everyone around her to get something from them for the creative process. Uh, in a weird, like, sub-dom type way, she's getting this feedback from her husband, which is mainly negative, but she's actually turning that around and, like, using it as a 
fire uh, fuel to f- uh, feed her fire to write and finish this novel that she's he says repeatedly that can never be done mm-hmm. that she just doesn't mm-hmm. have a novel in her um so my take on this whole thing is that everyone around her is just pieces in Shirley's chess game of life and it's either how can they uh, I take something from them uh, or how can they you know as in another way to take something from them how can they add to my writing and how can I manipulate them to make them more interesting to give me something to write about and I thought that was interesting but I would have liked it if they committed to that idea a bit more and kind of just focused on it a bit more as the feature of the movie and not this whole situation where like, Oh, we're dealing with this missing person. And then you're wondering like, is this all in her head? Is the young lady that's living in the house taking care of her actually the missing person? Did her husband kill this girl? Because they kind of allude to that in several parts. And also at one point, um, the young girl tries to frame her husband by falsifying some library records, which I'm pretty sure is a federal crime. Let's just put that out there. Well, probably, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, it was it was interesting the way that that played out. But it made me think overall that, like I said, that they were all just pieces in this this writer's chess game, and they were all just contributing to the art, which uh, in an artistic way is kind of cool and very meta, but also very damaging to the people in those situations most of the time. So I read it a little bit differently. Um that actually, I, I don't think that's an inaccurate reading of this. I think there's lots of lots of truth in a lot of the readings. But for me, it was like more not just about Shirley, but particularly about Shirley and and Rose, Odessa Young's character, who, by the way, I don't think I shouted out earlier, but like with the praise that I gave Elizabeth Moss, I think she's a really incredibly strong presence on screen. And Odessa Young coming in for her first movie, I think, like holding her own pretty well against Elizabeth Moss, especially in the like final third of the movie. Very impressive. I think she did a great job. Wanted to say that. Okay. I respect um, that. I, I almost think, because I mean, there are some pretty strong, I think, tell me if you don't agree, but like some pretty strong points made about like what women should be, basically. Like when we start off in the movie, Rose is equally interested in pursuing academics, but because of her pregnancy and because of what um, Stanley says to her, like, can you please go take care of our house? Basically, like you'd be more comfortable there. She kind of gets relegated to this trapped at home role. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a theme that goes throughout the entire movie. And I almost wonder if by the end of the movie, when we're presented with this girl who has or hasn't run away or killed herself or whatever, like, is that kind of the, is that the point the movie's trying to make? Like, do women in this society in the fifties or even maybe today, if you ask some people, like, are they relegated to these, like kind of this lose, lose situation? Like you can except that you're stuck at home with a husband who cheats on you and you're stuck doing the dishes basically. And you can either deal with that and have a miserable life or I guess run away and maybe kill yourself. Like it seems like those are the outcomes for most of the women in this movie, which sucks. Right. Or just go crazy and become a writer. Yeah. And become a writer. Like, and that's where surely the the thing that I have not a problem with, but I find interesting is like, most of the time this movie seems interested in the women trying to find meaning in their life, but you have this kind of this rain cloud of a presence with, with Michael Stuhlbarg's character who doesn't seem to have much going for him unless he is able to basically shit on his wife's work. Yeah. Like he starts going 
crazier and crazier as she's not showing him her manuscript. Oh yeah, let's not get it twisted. He was abusive. What's the what's the complex that develops when you fall in love with your captor? Stockholm? Oh, uh, uh, Stockholm syndrome. And then there's another one where somebody convinced or like gaslighting is obviously a huge thing in this, but there's something where like you're poisoned by uh your captor, I think, but I might just be blowing smoke there. You're just- but certainly gaslighting. Cause he's always like, you don't have the strength to finish this novel. You can't even leave the house. Stay here. And like stuff like that themes of, of like male dominance, especially in regards to like women's freedom and the creation of basically anything, whether it's art with her writing or babies, like stay in the house. And I feel like you like you start to empathize way more with both Shirley and Rose. If that's kind of the viewpoint you take. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also really interested in sort of the the melding of reality and like dream world stuff. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. It, like especially in a psychological mystery. Maybe we could call it a psychological mystery to some extent. That's a weird subgenre that no one's ever heard of that I'd watch. Like um Shutter Island, maybe. Psychological mystery. No, I don't love that movie. I hate but, that movie. Um fuck, maybe I don't like psychological melodramas. Or M- Memento. Have you seen Memento? Did I ask you that? No, but come on. I love uh, that the movie. Ha- sure. The Haunting of Hill House. I think the Netflix show could be argued as a psychological mystery thriller. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked in the past about how horror movies are probably at their best when they're saying something larger about modern day society or, or society anytime. Yep. Um, so which is why in The Haunting of Hill House, I was so stoked when it wasn't just a cut and dry ghost story. It could have been interpreted as like the the power that one's trauma can have in people's emotions going forward. Like, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, I also like, there's a weird parallel that starts happening between um, Shirley and Stanley and Rose and Fred. Like the obvious connections are that Fred and Stanley are both unfaithful. Rose and Shirley are both trapped inside. It almost feels like you could read this as like a trajectory for like marriage in general, traditional marriage or marriage roles. And that's creepy too. It's all just like, I don't know, very, very, um, I don't know. Left me feeling kind of icky, I guess. That's fair. It's the easiest way to put it. Yeah. You're not wrong. Not wrong at all. Yeah. Not wrong at all. Yeah. The whole gaslighting and just, yeah. Like, was she ever even that depressed or did he just yeah, make I don't know. feel that way? Right. Like, exactly. Like, and, and like, it doesn't help or maybe it doesn't hurt the case that, he literally apparently tells everybody on his campus, like, yep, she can't get out of bed. I'm taking care of her. That's it. She's broken. And it's like, she's not, I mean, a little encouragement might've gone a long way, but right? I think he probably, he probably knew that. And that was the point. Yeah. I also was- love the scene when she's at that party and she's pouring wine on the couch. That was great. And the woman who's having an affair with her husband comes up and like, gets mad that she's like rubbing the wine and not dabbing it. Like that's the word. You're literally walking up to somebody who you've been having sex with their husband. You're like, no, no, no you got to dab the wine. And at one point at the very end, Elizabeth Moss like hisses at her like a cat. Yeah. Cause everybody thinks she's a witch. Like she mm. knows, she knows her situation, knows what people think of her and she uses it. Like, I think she's a fascinating character study. Granted, it's not necessarily true to real life. Uh, in real life, Shirley Jackson had four kids and had like kept an immaculate home and did interviews with people about that stuff. Um, but in the context of the movie, fascinating character. I think Elizabeth Moss does a great job. Certainly the standout in this movie, in my opinion. Yeah. I just think it was, it was a good soak in, in kind of the world that, uh, 
that Josephine Decker created. Fair enough. I didn't really like it. Max really yeah. loved it. Yeah. Now what are you um, going to do? What can you do? Uh, 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 what I can yeah. do before we leave, because we're sure. going to leave soon. This is sure. winding down. I have to know why it wasn't a 10. Oh, that's a fair question. Um, So I just, I think I loved all the themes I just talked about, but I wish they would have kind of stuck to one more than the rest. Not one in particular. I just wish they would have picked one. I think they were all very interesting. Um, but the stuff like you mentioned, like the, the romantic chemistry between them and like some of the weird, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like the, the sexual, like dominant stuff, like explore that more or don't and leave it out and, and pursue something that would give us a little bit more room to explore. Yeah. Yeah. Not a perfect movie, but one that I really, really liked and one that I've thought about quite a bit, obviously uh, over the past week or so. Fair enough. That's all we can ask for. So next week, if you get a chance, check out the King of Staten Island, Johnny's pick for next week. It's a film starring, uh, I, I don't know. Pete Davidson, I think is his name. Yes. It's uh, a semi autobiographical look at his of life. him, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, remind me of the director. Oh, Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow. Right. I, I'm not a huge fan of his movies in general. Are you? Uh, yes, I am. Perfect. Okay. So we're doing that. Um, we are going to be covering the, well, well in, in the interest of transparency, yeah. I have a strong desire to watch uh, The Five Bloods. What the hell is that? It is a new Spike Lee film that dropped on Netflix. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm, that's my vote, too. Uh, so let me read you the synopsis. Four okay. African-American vets battle the forces of a man and nature when they return to Vietnam seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader and the gold fortune he helped them hide. Oh, well, that sounds interesting. Right? Um, let me go ahead and then read you slash our listeners, uh, the synopsis for King of Staten Island directed by Judd Apatow. Did you just do it? You basically did a semi autobiographical comedy drama about Pete Davidson growing up in Staten Island, including losing his father during nine 11 and entering the world of stand-up comedy. Yeah. I guess if I had to say which one of those movies sounds more important slash topical, it seems obvious. Yeah. I'm leaning um, towards the five bloods. I mean, could you also just watch King of Staten Island? For the thing is, the King of Staten Island is like 20 bucks to rent right now. Oh, it is? The Five Bloods is free on Netflix. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. I mean, I would prefer to pay for The Five Bloods, but sure. Right? I like Spike um, Lee. So, yeah, honestly, I'd rather watch something by Spike Lee because I love his movies. And yep. also, this whole movie sounds interesting. And it's actually getting some, not that this matters to me, but it's getting some positive <laughs> feedback. I'm sure. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. So I don't know. You want to do the five bloods? Let's do it. All right. You heard it. Live on air. We decided what movie we're doing. Also, get your hands on a victory sour monkey if you can, because we're going to cover that next week. And Johnny, what was the other thing we were going to cover? I don't have a beer yet. Yeah. You mentioned one that you said, if it's really good, we'll just, if you get another case of it, we'll do oh, the yeah, one good that green. I might or may not have good, taken. Good green. Good green. Good green. And that yep. is from who? Uh, that is from Highland Park Brewery. I was just going to say, how long has it been since we did them? Right. It's. Uh, I didn't actually look, but it's been a minute. The spear's new. It'll be fine. Can people get Highland Park around Chico? Yeah, because COVID made it possible for breweries to ship to your house. So oh, you can okay. have it shipped directly to you. Other than that, nah. Okay, so Fresh Hop Cine Nerds, your homework. Watch The Five Bloods by Spike Lee. Drink a Good Green by Highland Park and drink a Sour Monkey by victory or just save those until you listen to the episode, drink along with us and it'll be a great time. Ooh, that'd be spicy. 
Yeah, super spicy. That's Johnny Summers. That's Maxman Hardy. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hot Cinema.